welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. If we haven't yet met, my name is Josh. I get to serve on the leadership team here in Grace Life. And um, if you're here today for the first time, I want you to feel especially welcome. Make yourself at home. You are coming into a, a week two of a series that we're calling Coming Soon. Last week, you would have heard me uh, talk uh, from Matthew chapter 24 and 25 uh, about Jesus is coming back and what happens when we die. Very important question to think about. Don't leave it too late to ask yourself that question. If we have a look around the world, we can see there are many signs pointing to something, or should I say someone back. And so uh, today... I have the assignment of sharing with you a message I've called Worse Than You Can Imagine. I'm, of course, talking about hell. Next week, Pastor John Ford can clean up the mess. He's going to talk about heaven. And then we've got Pastor Scott Jones preaching the following Sunday. And then we've got Patrick ministering on the first Sunday in December. It's going to be a great series. So, Just to recap, last week, very simply, we know that Jesus is coming back. And when is he coming back? Soon. He's coming back soon. It's not rocket science. He's coming back soon. And today is sooner than yesterday, right? He is coming back soon. It's been soon for a couple of thousand years and we've got to be ready. And there's got to be a sense of urgency and expectation, of anticipation that he's coming back. We also understand that sooner or later, every single one of us, we, we living in these tents, it'll be taken down and our souls will go to be in one of two places, to be with Jesus or far from Jesus, awaiting judgment day. And on that day, it's going to be a pretty big day. We're going to read about that in a second. It's a big day, a massive day where every person that ever lived from every tribe and tongue and nation will all be gathered and we will see Jesus in all of his glory, hallelujah. This, of course, to me and probably to many of you, maybe not all of you, is pretty standard. It's biblical, what we're talking about now. But we've got to be careful because our hearts might cause us to steer away from believing in some of the harder truths of the Bible. But God is very clear. He, ha- he provides us a whole counsel and we've got to discuss every facet of Scripture. And God is not silent on a matter of hell. So I want to encourage you this morning. Some of you are going to be feeling very uncomfortable. Some of you will leave feeling quite somber. Some of you might be leaving feeling motivated. I don't know what that is. That's for you to work out. But whatever you do, don't put your head in the sand. When tough times come or the idea of pain or discomfort or suffering or tribulation come around, what do we do? We, we, we naturally want to evade that. So we put our heads in the sand. And we don't believe things that God is calling for us to believe and stand with. Have you ever believed in something that's just not true? I was in the car um, driving with two of my daughters this last week. Esther, who's six years old. Hope, who's three years old. And Hope starts talking about Santa Claus. I've never talked to her about Santa Claus. She must get it from her friends. 
But she starts talking about Santa Claus and, and Esther, my six-year-old, says, Hope, do you want me to tell you the truth about Santa Claus? <laughs> my, my lips are sealed. I'm just listening. And Hope, maybe she's thought this before. She goes, no, I don't want to know. <laughs> Esther says, fine, I won't tell you then. Six-year-old talking to a three-year-old. Hope says, okay, okay, tell me about Santa Claus. Esther says, there's no such thing as Santa Claus, it's mum and dad. Just like the tooth fairy, Hope, it's all made up. (laughs) Musings. Musings of a parent listening to their kids talking about things that may or may not be true. Maybe you're here and you're believing something that you've heard which makes you feel comfortable, cosy, tickling of the ears perhaps. But the reality of hell is before us. It's... I want to read if I can. Just an excerpt. In Siberia, there was a team of Russian engineers and they drilled a massive hole in the earth. Have you heard about this before? 14.4 kilometres deep into the earth. They lowered an extremely heat-tolerant microphone down with other sensory equipment into that well. The temperature, they say, was about 1,000 degrees Celsius. And they recorded the sounds of that microphone. It was horrific. Do you want to hear what that sounded like? Trev, can we play that recording, please? (laughs) Now, that's not true, is it? That 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 was a hoax, actually, for those that have been around for a while. So there's a lot of conjecture about hell and heaven, the reality, but who is the ultimate authority on eternity? Who sits above eternity? Beyond eternity? Right. The eternal being God himself. And again, he's not silent on this, but this is what I want you to understand first and foremost before we get into that conversation, particularly if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. God is holy. God is holy and what we believe should follow this reality. God is holy. This is what it says in Isaiah chapter 55. It says, My thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways. Just as the heavens are higher above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. What does that mean? God is saying, hey, look, guys, I want you to understand something. We share holiness, but my holiness is far superior. I am above, I am beyond. Like the, and holiness is the most commonly mentioned attribute in the Scriptures. We love to talk about the love of God. Is God love? Yeah, in a sense, He is. God is love. It's clear on that. Is God full of grace? Yes, He's full of grace. Is He forgiving? Yes, He's forgiving. But the most commonly mentioned attribute of God is His holiness. 
In fact, never in the Scriptures do we see an attribute of God elevated to the third degree like we do holiness. Holy, holy, holy are you, Lord. He is holy. And this is important for us to understand because we tend to superimpose our thoughts, our feelings onto God and create a God in our own image according to our own likeness. But we've got to let God's holiness and the reality of that revelation speak to us. Because good theology always starts with Him. It doesn't start with us. It doesn't start with my experience. It doesn't start with my existentialism. It doesn't start with my emotions and my feelings. It starts off in Him. More specifically, Christ. To start off with a Christological perspective to inform how we live. So God is holy. And um, there are things about Him that I don't entirely know. And there, to be honest with you, there are things that He does and says that I don't even agree with. Have you ever experienced that before? Well, God, I'm not so sure that you're allowing that to happen. I'm not too happy with that. (laughs) Does the lump of clay have any right to talk back to he who made it? So in the conversation around eternity about heaven and hell and judgment and so forth, we've got to bow the knee. God, what did you say about this? There are things about God that we've got to remember that go beyond just the God is gracious and forgiving and God is loving. He is all of those things. Nahum uh, 1 verse 2, the Lord is jealous and avenging God. The Lord is avenging and wrathful. What? The Lord takes vengeance of his adversaries and keeps wrath for his enemies. That, that, that tells us then that God is wrathful at times. And I'm here to tell you, folks, that in the last days, that doctrine will steer away from what is true and centered on the Scriptures. It will happen. And as I mentioned last week, we have got to be extra careful, extra vigilant to pay attention to what we're allowing into our ears and then into our hearts. Don't just click on YouTube and just follow a sermon that you think, oh, that makes me feel good. We are warned that these days would come. We were warned about this. So it's not about public opinion at all. This is what William Barclay says. It's not the verdict of public opinion, but the verdict of God that settles destiny. I love that quote. And so going back then that God, or specifically Christ, is the ultimate authority on eternal matters, we need to know He has a lot to say about hell. He has a lot to say about it. In fact, he speaks about hell a lot more than he does about heaven. A lot more. Around half of his parables refer to judgment, refer to hell, refer to punishment. What do we do with that? We pay attention. We pay attention. Before Christ came into the world, we can read even in the Old Testament there was an understanding in the Jewish mindset, in their lifestyles. They, they, they believed 
in hell. They discussed hell. God, through his prophets, would talk about it. In Daniel 12, verse 2, it says, Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Everlasting. How long? Everlasting. Everlasting. Isaiah 66 and 24, And they will go out and look upon the dead bodies of those who rebelled against me, God says. Their worm will not die, nor will their fire be quenched, and they will be loathsome to all mankind. Just sit in that for a moment. This is, this is about the future. This morning, it's important for us all to really, I mean, let's not just treat this as a doctrine. Understand, this is destiny for some, for many, in fact. I was feeling sick in the lead up to this conversation today. It happens every time. Because I can't just talk about this as a teaching point without thinking, this is people. This is people that I love. Like, it's people that I know. I think about an uncle of mine who in his 60s got sick. And he was... His wife was a believer, still is a believer, but he, as he was getting sick, he, um, he refused any idea about God being real, heaven, hell, anything like that. And he became increasingly hostile to the gospel, even in his later years. I went to go visit him and he, was, um, he, he couldn't talk. He was just sitting in a chair. I went and visited him in his home south of the river. And I thought, I can't just give, I, need a, I can't let this moment pass, as hostile as he might be. I'm... He's, he's, he's possibly days or weeks away. I said, Uncle Al, listen, it's not too late to call on Jesus' name. It's not too late. He's died for you. He passed on. Yeah, it really saddens me to think about where he may be. So... If there's an understanding of eternal life and eternal damnation, when Christ comes into the world as a first century Jew, he doesn't just counter that thinking as he does other thinking. He refines other thinking, right? He, he, he refines what adultery is about. He refines what forgiveness is about. He refines what anger is about. But what does he do in the conversation around hell, judgment? He, what does he do? He... he, he he increases that understanding. He elevates it. He talks about it even more. The conversation around eternity becomes even more vivid. So when Christ comes into humanity and he's talking to people that already have an idea about hell, he comes and he makes that conversation more real, more alive and more imminent for those that choose to not choose him. And he doesn't go soft on it either. He's not soft. If there was ever a hellfire preacher, it was Jesus. Matthew 13, 50, he mentions the furnace of fire, he says, weeping and gnashing of teeth. Mark 48, where their worm does not die and fire is not quenched. He's reinforcing 
Old Testament. I want to turn to Matthew chapter 25 and verse 31 to 46. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations and He will separate people, one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And He will place the sheep on His right, but the goats on His left. Then the King will say to those on His right, Come, you who are blessed by My Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Just a pause there. Jesus is not preaching salvation by works. That's not what he's doing. See, our works and our good deeds is not the basis for our salvation. It is the evidence of our salvation. We are saved by faith in Christ alone, but our faith in Christ is never alone. So on that day, it's not just some people that said, yeah, 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 I'm a Christian. I believe in you. No, okay. How did you live? Because true belief will show itself with fruit. It just will. But let's read on. This is where it gets a bit uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for me to read it because I look out into a room of this size and I'm concerned that some of you may end up in a lost eternity. And this is a sobering conversation. We've got grace. We've got a window of God right now. We have the presence of God available to us now. But for some of you, it won't always be. And we've got to work this out with fear and trembling. Paul says to the Corinthians, test and see that you are in the faith. Work it out. Don't assume that because you're inserting an amen at the right moment and you're worshipping God that you know, that you know who Jesus is. This is what he says in verse 41. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, you gave me no food. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Verse 46 says, Then these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Eternal, eternal, eternal. Eternal is a long time. Some Christians, it's a bit of a popular thing to agree to these days, believe in what's called universalism. That at the end of the day, God's love wins and we will all universally be saved. That's not what my Bible says. To be honest, I would like to believe that. But what I believe shouldn't be conditioned upon what I want to believe. 
Can I hear an amen to that one? Eternal is a long time. Eternal, forever. Some would, would often talk perhaps about what we call annihilationism, that eventually those that are lost will be annihilated. It says forever. Forever. Hell is a horrific place. It's a horrific state. It wasn't just Jesus that spoke about hell either or judgment or the wrath to come. His disciples did, which is a good pattern for us. Peter, Paul, Jude, John, you can read in the New Testament, they did not go easy on the conversations around hell. In Acts chapter 17, Paul has this, this, this sermon that he gives. He doesn't talk about atonement. He doesn't talk about forgiveness. He talks about the wrath to come. Paul, in fact, refers to wrath, punishment, being destroyed, perishing over 80 times in his letters. 80 times. That's a lot. John in Revelation, in Revelation 20 and verse 10, and the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They'll be tormented day and night forever and ever. Verse 15 of that same chapter, anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Friends, here's a question. Perhaps a warning. Is your name written in the book of life? Is it? When hell was preached, it was a warning. Avoid it at all costs. Well, how, 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 how can the punishment befit the crime? So what we do is we superimpose our ideas of, oh, it was just one little lie. Oh, I just stole from the bank. And, and we underestimate the horrendous, position of any sin next to an eternal, infinite, holy God. Why else would the crucifixion be such a horrific thing? Jesus took on all of that. He didn't just go in an electric chair and bzz, that's it. It was a horrible ordeal. And it wasn't, can I just say, I don't think it was just the physical trauma. I think more so the psychological and the emotional trauma, the sense of abandonment, of isolation, of rejection that Jesus took upon himself so that we wouldn't have to take it. Free. 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 Paid in full to those that say yes. Have you said yes? Hell is worse than you can imagine. Avoid it at all costs. Luke chapter 16. Are you still with me? Are we still friends? It takes a lot of love to talk about this. You understand that, don't you? And I can often upset people 
when I preach it. I care more about what God thinks of me than you, to be honest. I've got to give an account. Luke 16, verse 19, Jesus um, tells a story of a rich man and Lazarus. I referred to this last week. There was a rich man, Jesus says, who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who was feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in, what's that word there? Torment. Torment. We're not going to go there to party with our friends. We're going to be in suffering if we don't choose Christ. In torment with the devil and his angels. Hell was created for the devil and his angels. But we've got to be careful. This is not a place where we're going to have a great time and party. Yeah, I've got mates. Yeah, I'm going to party with the devil in hell. There ain't no party there. And the devil's not going to be partying either. The devil is not king of hell. Jesus is king. Jesus is king over all things on earth, under the earth, and above the earth. We're going to get that theology out of our head that the devil's there. Yeah, you can come now. I'm holding a pitchfork with a long pony arrow you know, of a tail. No, he's going to be suffering more than anyone. In Hades being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, child, remember that you in your lifetime received good things. Lazarus in like manner, bad things, but now he is comforted here and you are in anguish. And besides all this between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able and none may cross from there to us. And he says, then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers so that he may warn them lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to them, if they don't hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Really interesting. Jesus was the one who rose from the dead and still people denied him. To this day, we preach a message about a man who rose from the dead, who conquered sin and Satan and hell and death itself, and people still do not believe. But we've got to at least preach the crucified Christ to allow people to have that choice instead of choosing for them. So what, what, what does that mean then? So I have a responsibility to warn people, you're, you're asleep in a house that's on fire. Wake up. Wake up. But if I don't go and talk to them, it's done. Oh, but Josh, you know, I'm scared. I, I, um, I, 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 I don't know if I can do that. I, I'm not a, a vocal person. I pray for the boldness of God, my friends. And remember this. That pride should not get in the way of eternity. I don't want my pride to stop me from telling people about eternity. We just read anguish 
torment, flame, I mean. It's worse than you can imagine. People talk about hell on earth. We have no idea. No idea. There are people suffering now, especially kids, man. Like, my heart breaks for kids that are suffering. It's going to be a heck of a lot worse. Or can I say a hell of a lot worse? Derek Prince says, how could God punish harmless, innocent people? Well, that's not God's problem because there aren't any harmless, innocent people. God's problem is how can he forgive wicked sinners? Some of you right now are wrestling, well, I don't know. I don't know if I could love a God who would, who would what? Do something that you wouldn't do? Say something that you wouldn't say? Let's go back to the very beginning. God is what? He's holy. He knows some things that we don't. His brain is a little bit further developed than mine. His decisions are right and just. And it is the just God who will make that judgment. We can't even agree on what justice is anyway. We can't even agree on what's loving anyway. If you take people from different parts of the world and you ask them, show me an example of what love is, we will have a different perspective. The same thing can be said about justice. You go to different courts around the world. There are different standards of justice. So it's important for us, those two very Values, the love of God and the justice of God, in fact, are the two things that brought Christ into the world. He loved us so much, but the justice was fulfilled and what it was achieved on the cross. So we have got to put our view of love and justice to the side and say, God, what does your spirit say through your word? Not what makes me feel comfortable or cozy or cuggly. And will we agree with it? So the question shouldn't be, do you want to believe that? Is will you? Will you believe in a God who might send people to a lost eternity for those that have not chosen him? See, in the Old Testament, we see examples of God and he did some things. What? God, see, I... I wouldn't, God, I wouldn't flood the whole earth and save one family on a boat. I wouldn't do that. God did it. He can make that decision. God's speaking through Moses to tell his Levites to kill about 3,000 people. 3,000 by the sword. The Levitical priest did that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't come up with that. I don't know if I'd allow Job, this righteous man, to suffer the way that he did. I mean, I don't know if I would do that. I don't know if I would put my only begotten son on a cross to die. 
I wouldn't do that. But then again, I'm not God. And I reckon, friends, we've got to check our pride out at the door and let God be God. Let him be God. And bow the knee. Some of us need to make some decisions today. Some of you need to make some decisions. You're in that burning house. Don't shoot the messenger. You don't get upset with a doctor who reads you a synopsis. Hey, you're sick or you've got cancer. You don't shoot the doctor. He's just the messenger in the same way. Friends, some of you, you could very well be on the way to a lost eternity and you've got to do something now while you have the opportunity to. So there are things we've got to understand that we just don't know. Psalm 131, I don't occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. (laughs) Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may follow all the words of his law. There are secret things that we we don't know at all. So let's stand with what God says. Stop apologising for God. Perhaps we should be starting to apologise to Him. We don't need to be His PR campaign. Increasingly, the world, the media is telling us, how could you say that there is a hell, that XYZ sinners are going to go to hell? How could you possibly say that? While the church remains silent, we lose our moral compass. So it's time for us to reach in the voice of God and let it come out wherever we are. Don't be afraid of what people think about you so much. Paul says, if I, if I focus on pleasing people, I can no longer be considered a servant of God. Come on, stand up. Don't just stand there, do something. Be bold for the Lord. Be bold. Important for us to understand here with the conversation around hell, it's, it's, it's God does not delight in this. You know that, don't you? God longs for people to be with him. Takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but his justice must be fulfilled. Ezekiel 33, 11, Say to them as I live, declares the Lord. Say to them, say to them, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked but that the wicked would turn from his way and live. Turn back. Turn back from your evil ways. For why will you die, O house of Israel? He's talking to his people. Come back to me. Make a decision. 1 Timothy 2.4 God desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. He desires all people. 2 Peter 3.9, the Lord is not slow to fulfill His promises. Some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but all should reach repentance. Repentance, the changing of our minds to come to Him. So will you come to Him? See, the big issue for me, for me is not... Hell or even heaven, the real issue is Jesus. He's the issue. It's not about a place, it's about a person. And how we respond to that person now in this life will determine the place 
where we end up. John 3, 36, Whoever believes in the Son is eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. Deuteronomy 30, 19, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live. Isaiah 55, I quoted from there before. I'm going to read verse 6 and 7. It says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. But hang on, hang on, Josh. What about people that have never heard the gospel? What's not fair? Who says what's fair? Is Jesus the only way? Yes. Yes. An emphatic yes. All roads do not lead to God the Father. Jesus was not mucking around. He wasn't telling jokes when he says, there is no way to the Father except through moi, through me. If atheists do not convert to Christianity to following Christ, they will be lost. If Buddhists do not convert to Jesus and say yes to Jesus, they'll be lost. If Muslims, if Taoists, if agnostics, call yourself whatever you like. Just give your life to Jesus. Just believe in Him and what He's done for you. There is no way to the Father except through me, Jesus says. That's John 14, 6. But here's what it says in Acts 4, 12. There is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Here's a quote from Francis Chan. He says, We are bound by the words of the Creator, the one who will do what is right, the one who invented justice, knows perfectly what the unbeliever deserves. God has never asked us to figure out his justice or to see if his ways are right or noble. He has only asked us to embrace his word and bow the knee. So what do we do with this? How do we respond? For some of you today... You're going to need to make some decisions. I'm not just talking about your eternal destiny. I'm, not just, I'm talking about what will you do knowing and being reminded perhaps that there is hell awaiting those who have not chosen Christ. I want to finish by praying. And um, I want to ask the Lord to steer our hearts. Say, God, what do I do here? What does this mean for me? Are there people around about me that you've called for me to bear witness to? I remember one time, we're outside the front lawn of our house, and uh, Hope, who's now three, she's probably two at the time, she was running, as she does, across the road real fast, and a car was about to come. 
Kylie and I yelled out, Hope! Get off the road! If we hadn't given the warning, I think she could have been taken out. There are people that need that warning and they need you to be clear about it and to not pussyfoot around about the issue. Can I say, do it in love. Truth with love. Both together. Not either or. And truth in love and by the Spirit's leading and prompting. But don't hold back. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.